Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. right in today, right out of communion into the word. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter nine. Hebrews chapter nine, uh, verse, actually I'm gonna start at verse 11, but before I get into that, I'm gonna set this up with Leviticus chapter 17, and then I'll go into my message this morning. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to speak to you today and Um, What I'm preaching is a message that's timeless. It's a message that most of the Western church, I I shouldn't say most of the Western church, but there's a lot of churches that have tried to do church without the blood of Jesus. They've tried to do church. Uh, One pastor that I was listening to uh, had been over in a third world country, and they were talking about um, praying over them because of the, the persecution that they were experiencing and it was so high and it was just the sacrifice of many that would, you know, they were literally martyrs giving their life for the, for the message and the sake of Jesus. And they began to pray that they would stay, that God would stay the hand of, of the persecution and the martyrdom and that, that God that lived in that third world country says, don't pray that over us. It's one thing that we're concerned about. The Western church in America is that they don't understand what it means to suffer for the sake of Jesus. Now, this is the way I look at it. I'm thankful for the nation that I live in. I'm thankful for freedom. I'm thankful for what God has done in us and gives us the freedom to worship. But maybe we don't experience what they experience. But one of the statements he said that was really, really true is that much of the Western church has learned how to do church without the Holy Spirit being a part of it. I think it was Bono that said that, uh, mentioned something about that um, the, the Holy Spirit has left the building and the Western church doesn't know it. And I don't want that to be the case. There's messages that are timeless and that this morning all I'm going to give you is the blood of Jesus, the cross. And the good gospel, that's all I'm going to give you this morning. It's simplistic, straight to the point. I'm bringing some stuff that, that the Lord has really dealt with me. I grew up uh, um, hearing people call and cry out on the blood of Jesus, cry out on, on, on the name of Jesus. And so this morning, that's what I'm bringing you. That's what I'm going to give you. And I'll give you a few things and hopefully some tools. But more than anything, what does the blood really do? Uh, it's more than just... It's more than just a, 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 a figurative language that sometimes we speak. Well, we're covered in the blood. No, your spirit is literally covered in the blood of Jesus. There, there's, we may not physically see it, but it's covered. And, and in a society where they believe that Jesus was, was a cult leader, they believe that he was a, a raving lunatic. It was even C.S. Lewis that stated that either Jesus was a raving lunatic or he truly was the son of God. And what makes our religion different than the rest of the world religions? Does anybody know? What is it? What's the game changer? Resurrection. Resurrection. Listen, 
Every other world religion has some form and type of self-sacrifice, cutting and giving your own blood. Jesus came, gave his very life, but he was the only one that was able to take it back up and resurrect it. It was the only one that was able to be resurrected. So that's the game changer in Christianity. And so one of the core, one of the core, I don't know if I say it's a core message because it's the gospel, man. It's one part of the gospel is this, the precious blood of Jesus that does more than just save you. And I'm going to talk about it this morning. Um, the cross was something that was violent. It was gory. It was rough. And really, we look at Hollywood and the only, the closest type of uh, description and maybe a depiction that they could paint for us was Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, whenever it showed the, the beating that Jesus took, it, from, from every aspect of it, from the betrayal to the, the, the uh, when he goes before the Sanhedrin and at night, behind closed doors, in secret, whenever that was, that's what the enemy wants to do. He operates and functions in secret to the point of where he was beaten with the cat of nine tails and literally his flesh hung like ribbons and his, his back was, could see the bone in it. And then they hung him on a cross. And the, the Romans were experts at beating you within centimeters of your life. They'd done it so long and perfected that they knew how to do it and when to stop so that you would suffer and not die, but literally suffer for the rest of your uh, moments of your life. And they were good at that. And crucifixion usually took days for someone to die. But in Jesus's case, it was a six hour time span because he said, no man takes my life. I lay it down. So when he was finished, he laid his life down. And so, but it's the sacrifice that we look at today, but I wanna talk about not just what he did on the cross, but what that blood, because you understand the blood still speaks. Now, it's not an audible voice that we hear, because I mean, we look in Genesis and we hear, we read the story of Cain and Abel, and it talks about when, the, when God speaks to uh, Cain and says, where is your brother? He says, my brother's keeper. He said, I hear that, but I can hear his blood crying out from the ground, so his blood. So how much more the blood of Jesus? How much more does it scream and cry out for us and in our place? You understand that when Jesus died, he didn't just die for you, he died as you. Because you deserve judgment, you deserve the penalty of your sin. And he came, he is the propitiator. He is the propitiation, the appeasement. And I know that this is reading and seeing this on certain rocket ships, especially when they go into space, they have a propitiator which is when they come in and enter back into the atmosphere, it's that shield that keeps that ship from burning up. You needed a propitiator for your sin. You needed someone to mediate, step in place so that you wouldn't be consumed because you're sure to find hell without the blood of Jesus applied to your life. There is a hell. And I know there was a movement back in the early 2000s, a guy named Rob Bell that said, hell is literally a place on earth. I have so many things to say about that right now, but I'll bypass it. There is a place reserved for the devil and his angels, a place of torment, it's called hell. But the blood of Jesus stands in my defense and declares I'm righteous. Not me and myself, right? Not me, not anything I could do, but what he did for me, what he did as me. So I'm passionate to preach that in Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. I gotta go here before I move to the next place. The Levitical law and the Levitical priesthood uh, I, I don't, there's, there's not at this day needed in the sense of 
what was needed in those days, an outer court, inner court, most holy place, because we literally, when Jesus tore the temple veil from top to bottom when he breathed his last, because the scripture said the, the veil was ripped. A six foot thick curtain was ripped from top to bottom uh, into the holiest of holies. The presence of God was dispersed in that moment. I believe that. And we can come right into the presence of the Father. And I believe there's, that's why the fear of the Lord, the holy reverence and awe of who he is. But he, he, he fixed that. But in old covenant, we see in the Levitical law, they had 613 laws. Because of their, Moses, you talk to God, we're gonna do what you say to do. You're gonna be our mediator. But God said, no, 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 I don't want that. I want a kingdom of priests. I want you to minister to me. I want you to come near my table, the Ezekiel 44 principle. You come near me and you minister to me. I want you one-on-one intimate priest before the Lord. And that's what, that's what the Lord wanted, but the people didn't want that. So Moses in turn, gets all of these laws that the children of Israel have to abide by that you and I would never make it. I'm just telling you, all the ceremonial uh, laws from cleansing to sacrifices to uh, how you perform and do animals, it's just all of these certain aspects of it. It's like, my goodness, man, I, I, don't, I don't need 613 laws to keep me straight. That's why we live on this side of the cross, which is called the age of the grace dispensation not a license to sin, but an empowerment to live a holy lifestyle. That's what grace is, all right? It's the unmerited favor of God upon your life to walk and be holy, not to live in sin. Oh, well, God will just wink at it and it'll be all. No, he won't. No, he won't. If you don't remove yourself from a lifestyle of sin, you suffer the consequences. That's what happens. But God does give you grace. And you have praying grandmothers and praying grandfathers and praying parents that pray over your life to keep you covered until you can come out of your, come to your senses and what in the world am I doing? So thank God for those of you that are willing to contend for your generation and your grandchildren, your children and your friends. Keep contending, keep interceding for them. But Leviticus 17, the Lord begins to speak and this is something that still holds true for the life of the creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement, which means to bring you at one with the Father for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Now understand in the old covenant that they had to use the blood of bulls and goats and especially a, a lamb. It, once a year, they would bring that blood of the lamb into, uh, into the, the tabernacle and they would offer it for not the forgiveness of sins, but that your, their sins would be rolled forward one year. It would just roll them forward one year. The high priest would go into the holiest of holies once a year and do this. So your sins were never forgiven fully. They were just pushed ahead. The, the, the judgment for, and the penalty of your sin was just postponed for another year, okay? But when Jesus came, as I said, when Jesus came, he died for you and as you and once and for all settled the sin problem. So there's no longer a sin problem. There's just a sinner problem. His blood covers the sin, all right? It's the blood. There's life. We, if anybody in this room today, if we take you and we drain all the blood out of your body, you're dead. You're, you're never, it's it. You'll breathe your last and be done. So there's, there's life that's in the blood and in the blood of Jesus, we see that in the covering that brings life. But in Hebrews chapter nine, I'm going to read this in just a, a few sections. So hang with me. Some of you that hadn't read your Bible, you'll get your reading in today. Okay. So Hebrews chapter, I'm just kidding. 
Not really. But uh, Hebrews chapter nine, verse 11, it says, but when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it is not part of this creation. Understand that the Old Testament tabernacle that we read about in the Old Covenant, it was patterned after the spiritual. So in heaven, there is a tabernacle, outer court, uh, inner court, most holy place, and, and, and that's where Jesus, when he resurrects, goes into heaven, de deposits his blood on the mercy seat, which is why he told Mary, Mary, don't cling to me, for I've yet to be glorified. What he was saying is, I haven't put my blood on the mercy seat and ushered in the age of grace. So... That's what's, it's, that was built in heaven by God himself. That was his tabernacle. It's the one where John the Revelator says, I see one like the son of man walking in among the candlesticks. That's where Jesus is right now. And he's offering up intercession on behalf of the saints right now. So are you saved or being saved? The answer is yes, you are saved, but you're also being saved. And he's the one that stands at the right hand of the father offering up intercession for you. So anyway, I just wanted to make that clear says that he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially, ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more will, will then the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit or through the Holy Spirit, offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death. How many of you need your conscience cleansed this morning? Some things that's happened in your life, you need, the, you need your conscience to be washed and cleansed. Well, it can only be cleansed through the blood of Jesus. Now, in verse 22, let me drop down and read this. And it says, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now understand it doesn't say remission of sins. It entails and covers this, but it doesn't say remission of sins. The NIV actually states it and says there's no forgiveness. But how many of you, I know there's some people in this room, you've walked through cancer. And the doctor looked at you and said that you are in remission, right? So... If someone with a malignancy or disease in their body experiences a significant improvement in their condition, they are said to be in remission. It means that the disease process has been arrested or it is in retreat. The blood of the lamb attacks sin and chases it away. The works of the flesh, that's the things that Paul talked about. He said, the things that I, I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. The things that I will myself to do, those are the things that I find myself not being able to do. I know it's a confusing passage, but it always confused me and I had to read it slow. But it's the, the power of the blood of Jesus that begins to put into remission and run things out of your life, such as the sinful nature. Now, we are saved, but Here's the thing. If you say I'm saved, but nothing changed, and you're still doing some of the same things that you're doing today, then I'm not sure. You, you have to work that out between you and the Lord, but things have to change. Maybe it's the people that I run with have to change. Maybe some of the, the thought processes, repentance means to change the way you think. Have you changed the way that you think? And it comes supernaturally. I'm telling you, in repentance, God, forgive me of my, I repent of my sin. I change the way that I think about my, help me to love what you love, God, and hate what you hate. Because the psalmist says that's the fear of the Lord. That's the all reverence and respect 
whenever I hate what you hate and love what you love. Help me to hate. It's not the people. It's just the sin in and of itself. Because if you don't divorce yourself and bring yourself into separation between that sin, it is for sure to destroy you completely. You can't take just a little. I mean, that's why uh, I think it's in the book of Hebrews. I was reading that Moses, he saw that there was pleasure in sin, but for a season, the pleasures and the luxuries of Egypt, but he understood long-term, they're about to be destroyed. I have to remove myself from those things. And as I was saying, we live in a day and an age where you can't talk. They, they look at Jesus and say he was a crazy cult leader. They look at him and say, well, the sacrifice on the cross, how do we know for sure that he fully resurrected? Well, how can, uh, I don't know how, billions upon billions of, of believers that have left this life, that gave their very life for it, how can, they, how can we look at that and say there is no such thing as a God or a Savior? Because the people that have gladly laid their lives, they danced their way to burning stakes. If you read in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about those that were sawn in two, those that sacrificed and gave their very lives, some that had been missionaries that gave their very life on that mission field for the precious message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his blood, his cross, his resurrection, and his enthronement. That's what we live for, but it comes through an understanding of the blood of Jesus. But they say, wait a second, don't talk about being covered in the blood of Jesus. That's ridiculous. Man, y'all have lost, you're a cult as well if you think that the, well, I have to be covered in blood to be considered clean. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. If I'm driving down the road and I see someone walking down the side of the road with covered in blood, I'm gonna call 911. I'm gonna freak out a little bit. I'm like, I'm, I'm not stopping. I'm sorry. I may stop and look at you from a long distance off and, and call 911 and call you in, but I'm, I'm not stopping to have a conversation with you. But, but we're not of this world. The scripture says that we're in this world, but we're not of it, which means that, there's a different mindset that we have to carry, not that you conjure up in your own, but Paul said in Colossians 3, he talked about uh, set your mind on what? Things above, not on things of this earth. In other words, you're not of this world. You're in it, but you're not of it. So the systems, the patterns of this world can't infiltrate your life because if they infiltrate you, mom and dad, guess what? They're gonna infiltrate your children. And I, I've gotta get into my message, but I really wanna preach into that for just a moment. You've got to be cautious as to not let the world's systems infiltrate your personal life. Paul said, don't conform to the patterns of this world. You're in it, but don't conform to it. It's not, so, it's not saying that I have to be a holy Hubert to where I, I, well, I can't do this. And I, it's not about do's and don'ts. So when I look at Moses' life, Moses is one of intimacy. I'm about to get to the blood. Give me just a second. Moses' life was one of intimacy. It wasn't, okay, God, what can I do and what can I not do? Moses said, no, 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 no. What is your command, God? That's what I want to know. I want to know what do you, I want to live so close to you. What is the commandment of the Lord? What is God directing? It's not, is this right or is this wrong? Can I go here or can I not? Can I drink this or not? I don't know. No, no, no. What is your command, God? I don't want to do anything that would stand between. It's not that I could separate you from me because that's impossible, but my mind says I have done this, so God must be distant from me, which is the great lie that the enemy will tell you. Okay? You with me? Let me move. You're probably like, I wish you would move. You're just stuck on the same thing the whole time. I don't understand what's going on with you. The scripture talks about the cross, and we see in Leviticus chapter 17 that he said that there, uh, you, you have to get atonement from the blood uh, for yourselves on the altar. The cross was an altar. If we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, it's an altar. It's where he shed his blood, the perfect spotless lamb. The scripture says that he who knew no sin 
became it so that we through him might become the righteousness of Christ and, and, and uh, might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he, he was perfect. He was spotless. He was sinless. But he gets on a cross and for you and as you because you couldn't save yourself to bring salvation into your life. So the blood bought your freedom. And if you, you would, you got your Bibles, you can take note, whatever's gonna be on the side screen. But Exodus chapter 12, and this is what we know as Easter or the Passover. We read this every year. We come across this a lot of times, and it talks about the actual Passover. And the children of Israel, the Lord is laying out. He's getting ready to pull them out of bondage. And he tells the children of Israel, he said, they are to take some of the blood and put it on the side. So in other words, kill you a lamb that you've raised within your home. Your kids have probably named it, and it's gonna be rough, but you need to kill that lamb. And he said to take a hyssop branch, and I want you to dip it in that blood, and I want you to smear it on the doorpost. Pretty grotesque, right? Kill your own personal animal that you love so much. Now, God's not gonna ask you to kill your dog, by the way, or your cat, or your hamster, or whatever's in your home, whatever that is. But anyway, he says that I want you to take this lamb. It's a representation of Jesus. And I want you to kill it, take some of the blood and wipe it on the doorpost where you eat the lamb. The first thing that the blood of Jesus will do for you, there's power in this blood. The first thing is the blood protects. The blood protects. The blood brought protection. We look at the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, it goes on to say, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And look at this. And when I see the blood... When I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's where we get Passover. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. In other words, when the, the death angel walks through, he sees the blood, he's walking on through because you've been covered. It's, you know what this is talking about? This is a prophetic picture of what a believer is supposed to look like. We're covered in the blood because we're full of the lamb. I can't go into that right now, but they had to consume the lamb. Not only did they kill it, they had to consume it because it was saying, I'm not only covered by the blood of the lamb, I'm full of the lamb. There's something about the blood of the lamb that attracts God. It excites him and unleashes its highest thoughts, emotion, and power. If you want power with God, power for man, and power against the devil, it only comes through the blood of the lamb. And we all want, I do, I want power for, I want power with God. I want power for man. And I want power that stands in defense for my family against the devil when he comes with sickness, when he comes with all forms and types of affliction, when he comes with storms, when he comes with all this stuff, coming to my doorstep, I can stand and say, no, I plead the blood of Jesus. I'm getting ahead of myself right now, but I wish somebody would get a hold of that. Listen, there's power in your declaration and plead. I plead the blood. There's no COVID coming into my home. I just declare that right now in Jesus' name. Cancer, you ain't got authority in my home. Sickness, you don't have authority in my home. Division, adultery, perversity, you're not coming in my house in Jesus' name. So, Because I'm guarding what I watch. I'm guarding what I listen to. I'm guarding who I let into my house. I'm cautious as to say, this is a safe house. My family, my children, no, we plead the blood of Jesus. And I'll get into that in a moment. I'll talk to you about it. But I believe that the people of God are so silent we're so silent. We won't open our mouths for nothing. I'm afraid I'm going to offend somebody. Well, guess what? That's the spirit of the age. I'm pre-offended that you're offended that you wouldn't think you would get offended. 
Is that not true? I get tickled. I have a friend of mine that every so often we just send this meme back and forth and uh, we cut up about, uh, it's really not nothing to cut up about, but you know, it is what it is. You know, you gotta, you gotta laugh at yourself sometimes or else bad things happen. So hey, here's the here's thing for you. Take God very serious, but laugh at yourself, okay? Don't take yourself so serious or you'll quit. You'll bow out and you'll be done with whatever it is you're doing. But every so often I get this meme from him. He says, I'm pre-offended. Doesn't matter what you say, I'm pre-offended. And that's the spirit of the age that we live in right now. But you know what? Jesus is gonna offend, not in the sense of to where it causes you to turn away and walk away, but his name is offensive to this culture. His blood is offensive to this culture. Even the crucifix itself is an offense to the culture that we live in. Why? Because there's something about him that when he walks in, he begins to shed light on everything that is dark. And, he, and the scripture says that their deeds are evil and they do them in the dark. So when light shows up, they can see, oh my goodness, this is the mess that I am. So that's why there are already pre-offended and everything that's going on in the world's culture and system. It's the light of Jesus that shows. You don't have nothing to worry about when you're in the light. You don't because all of your deeds are open. Who I am on the stage, who I am at home, who I am my job, it's who I am in secret. Who are you when no one else is looking? Do you have light? I, gotta, I don't even know why I'm getting into that. I gotta move on. So it's interesting here because the blood protects, it's interesting here to note that the death angel was an angel sent by God, Gary. It was sent by the Lord. But even he could not cross the threshold of the blood. Sent by the Lord, but he couldn't cross that bloodline. That blood was, nope, I can't go there. Judgment falls upon those that would tread across the blood of Jesus. And that's just a note to anybody, that anyone, you're doing the very best you can. You're walking this Christian life. I, I remember talking with Pastor Philip a long time ago. We were having a conversation about those that would dig into your past and pull your sins out. You know what they just did? They just walked across the blood of Jesus into your past and was trying to pull something out that even the death angel dared to walk across. I'm telling you. It was the blood of the lamb that Pharaoh's yoke on bondage was broken. It was the blood. The enemy works so hard to keep you living beneath your, your, your title as sons and daughters. And it's interesting because so many people, we just let things happen. We, when something takes place, we won't, we won't speak up about it. We won't pray about it. We won't, you know, whatever that is. We'll just let the enemy come in and steal. But whenever the blood's been applied to your life and you have walked and have a connection with who Jesus truly is, you understand that first off, he's a deliverer. Scripture says that he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to, to, to give life to many, but one of his assignments was to destroy the works of the enemy. And when that blood's been applied to your life, he's gonna do the very best that he can to get, oh my gosh, they, they understand. And under, so I, as a son and a daughter, which means that uh, I'm, I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus. I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places, which means that I ought to be seeing things from a different perspective. But for whatever reason, we focus our eyes upon what we can see. We don't, we don't establish the vertical. We just keep the horizontal. But we don't look up. We don't focus there. And especially in a time when the political spirit can so infiltrate groups, people, church, everything. Not just the political spirit, but there's a religious spirit. Two things Jesus said to beware of. Beware of, of Pharisees and beware of Herod. The leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. There's two spirits at work. And, and, and what, what am I called to do? 
I'm called to focus upon the vertical. Jesus, I'm going to set my mind upon things above and focus on you. I'm not gonna, I know all this stuff is happening around me, but the enemy will work so hard to get you distracted to look at all that's happening on the horizontal where you get distracted. That means you can fall into discouragement. I fall into discouragement. I'll abandon my destiny and walk away from it. We are identified through the shed blood of Jesus. And now, I was in reading in Hebrews, and you can flip over and look at it if you want to. It's up to you. But Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 29, I was reading this just over this past week. And this was something, and this is just a side note. I'm still on the blood of Jesus, but I got to give you this because it pertains to the deliverance of the children of Israel. And chapter 11 is the hall of faith. If you read through it, you can see it. It's all about the great things that happened. And, and it says in verse 29, it says, by faith. Remember, we talked about by faith, we understand. You don't understand, and then faith comes. It's by faith, you believe, then you understand. By faith, the people or the children of Israel, you know, you know the story when they come across the Red Sea, all right? By faith, they passed through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Now, let me ask some of you. You've been in pursuit of, of God. You've been doing everything you feel in your heart. God, I've been pursuing you. I've been serving you. How many of you feel like you've been walking through a dry season? Anybody be honest? Second service here. Feel like you've been walking through a dry season? Are you going to connect the dots with what I'm about to tell you? The Lord is directing the children of Israel out of a place of bondage and bringing them to the Red Sea that he's gonna use to deliver them out. But what does he do? He parts the seas to the point and dries the land so they don't get stuck in the process of, of getting out. And so they walk across on dry land. So if you feel like you've been walking through a dry season, you feel like you've been doing everything correct, maybe it's because the Lord has parted the issues and the problems and the things that you've been currently walking through so that he can get you across on dry land. Because when you get to the other side, then you'll turn around and say, why? Now I see why I walked through a dry season. Because then he's going to consume and let the floodwaters return back to where they were and consume the Egyptians that is in pursuit of you. So here it is. Here's my, here's my word to you. Dry seasons equal dead Egyptians, but you've got to see it right. If he parts the Red Seas and he's sending me across on dry ground, it's so you feet, so you won't get stuck in the, in the season that you're currently in. And if you'll just keep walking and you won't give up, you'll finally get to the other side and the waters will crash back and you'll look back and say, now I know what you were doing in that dry season. You dried it out so that I could walk through on dry land. And then you consumed the very enemy that has been playing into your hand the whole time. Listen, the devil always overplays his hand. Hear me, somebody. The devil will always overplay his hand in every season. I gotta keep moving. But I wanted to drop that to you because some of you, you're doing everything right. You've been pursuing Jesus. You're crying out to God for whatever it is, revival and renewal in your family, in your home. And you've been walking through a dry season, but it's because you're about to come out of it and he's about to be consumed and God's gonna refresh you because he's leading you somewhere if you'll submit to him. You with me? So, the second thing that the blood does is the blood delivers you. The blood of Jesus protects you, but then it delivers you. Looking at Hebrews chapter 10, it says in verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have this confidence to enter the most holy place by what? 
by your IRA, 401k, and what you've done in this life. No, 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 nothing that you could do by the blood of Jesus. It's only by his blood that you can come into his presence. Listen, I'm telling you, that priest, that there, there, was, a, there was a system that they could do, but they, you, you can't come in to the very presence of Jesus without the blood covering your life, lest you welcome judgment into your life. You have to have the blood applied to your life. By new living way, opened up for us through the curtain, that is his flesh, and his body. And it says, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. There's two things here that bring faith. You want to know what increases your faith? Listen to it. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Be authentic and real. Stop faking it. You can't fake. You can't fool God. Come into his presence with a sincere heart and with full assurance. That means, God, what you've promised and what you say in your word and what you've spoken are true. And I have full assurance that you're going to work it out in my life. I have, I have those two things working. I have a, um, a sincere heart and full assurance that brings faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. It's the second thing. The blood of Jesus protects me. Not only does it deliver me, or excuse me, it protects me, not only does it do that, it delivers me. Here in Revelation chapter 12, I wanna move into the third thing. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, is John the Revelator has had these incredible visions and encounters, uh, being taken up into the third heaven and seeing things that are just unreal. And it says, as, he, as the Lord is, begins to speak and it says, or it says to him, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they overcame. The third thing that the blood does is that the blood is a weapon for you to use. Now, I've heard in so many times, growing up, I used to hear people talking about pleading the blood of Jesus into areas and aspects of their life, and I was even talking with someone previously before service, and someone that has served on the mission field, and some of the things that they experienced and seen, especially when it came into having encounters with the demonic, and it was always pleading the blood of Jesus, and it's interesting that that so many times in some of these situations of when people and missionaries and pastors and leaders and not just them, but others would hit these seasons of whenever the, the attacks was so strong and the weight, uh, uh, the, the weight of fear would come upon them in such uh, heavy amounts and seasons, they would just start declaring the name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. Not only that, but then they would begin to, Jesus, I plead your blood. I plead the blood of Jesus. And even, like I said, over, over this past couple of years, it's one of the things that I've begun to do more and more and more. Jesus, I plead your blood over my family. I plead your blood over my marriage. I plead the blood of Jesus over this church and over this people. I break word curses and plead the blood of Jesus over our people's lives because there's power in the blood of Jesus. And if that death angel can't come across the blood, then guess what? No demon can come across the blood either. So I just plead the blood of Jesus and this is a phrase that I always heard about, and I began to personally doing some research on it, and uh, I, I found a pastor that I've listened to at times, and he actually wrote the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. I, I say not wrote the Bible, but he was the one that put the footnotes and assembled the, the, the wise wisdom of leaders and pastors together when they wrote in the, the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, but Pastor Jack Hayford, that was uh, someone that's been such a strong advocate for the Foursquare Movement, he wrote something in regards to pleading the blood of 
Jesus. And so when we talk about pleading the blood, let me hand this to you and let you see. So, but it's not just what you say. There has to be a believing in what you're saying. Remember, by faith, when I say it with a heart of faith, things begin to shift in it. He says this about pleading the blood. He says, in every circumstance we face in life, we have the legal right through the blood of Jesus Christ to enter a plea and to lay claim to the evidence. What is the evidence? It's his slain body, his shed blood at the cross, which is proven to neutralize the power of sin. We agree with that, right? The power of affliction, that's true. The power of death, obviously, and the power of, uh, and the power of hell. We know that's what happened. It is to that I make my plea when I plead the blood of Jesus, whether I face demonic, physical, or personal attack, condemnation, or temptation to sin. There is no circumstance in life to which the blood of Jesus isn't key to releasing, protecting, resolving power, whether it's the removing of potential of confusion. We're seeing that a lot of a spirit of confusion that is trying to confuse the church, confuse the marriage, even confuse the individual to believe what sex am I because I have no clue. That is the power of the devil. I'm just telling you. I, I don't care. It may be politically incorrect, but I'm telling you scripturally what we believe and what we know. Overcoming the impact of rebellion, breaking the torment of fear. How many of you are, are always in a place of fear, anxiety, depression, worry, oppression where the enemy would try to bind you? You need to learn how to plead the blood of Jesus. He goes on to say, or the shame of the past, which in some facet we all face in this room. When we plead the blood, we are to do so in the understanding sense with the firepower of the supernatural and on the basis of the body of evidence that through the blood of Jesus Christ, all hell has been broken in its power. All sin neutralized. The power of death has been overwhelmed and every human need has been paid for once and for all. So when I plead the blood of Jesus, guess what? That's my understanding, even though I may not say it every time. When I plead the blood of Jesus, that's what I'm saying. I plead it, I declare right now, Jesus, even in this moment, I stop in the middle of my message or at the end of my message, Demetri, if you would, and I just declare that in this atmosphere, I, I bind every demonic spirit that would come against the people in this house. I plead the powerful, precious blood of Jesus that, that covers and atones for sins. But not only that, but it breaks them out of those vices and chains and bonds and the cords and the ropes that the enemy would bind them. And I declare freedom over them because of your blood, Jesus. And even as their shepherd, I declare no weapon formed against them can prosper. And every voice that has risen against you in false accusation and condemnation and shame, I break it off right now in the name of Jesus. There is no name greater than your name, Jesus. And so right now in this moment, you're blood is a weapon. And I declare that if you've got sickness in your body, that sickness has no authority. Sickness and death even has no authority. Assignments are coming back to those that are lost, confused, weary, tired, don't understand where they're going. I declare in this moment, this church is not going to falter by the wayside, but we become a strength. If you're sitting under my voice right now, I declare that that's you. That's you. I don't care if you call this your home church or not. I declare over you that the assignment that God 
God has for you is greater and you're protected more than the assignment the enemy has against you in Jesus' name. You may have a target on your back, but I'm telling you, you're covered in blood, which means that you can be hidden right now. I just declare that you are hidden, hidden with Christ in God, in Jesus' name, as, the, as, as Paul talks about. Father, I'm asking you, lift the blinders, lift the scales off of the eyes. I pray for hearts to be opened right now and receptive to the working of the Holy Spirit. And I prophesy revival in this room that those of which have had dead personal desire for the things of the Lord, I call it to life right now in Jesus' name. I speak to passion and I command you to come to life. I speak to personal lives of fire to come back to life right now in Jesus' name. I speak to every political spirit. I speak to every demonic spirit. I speak to every spirit of religion and I bind it in Jesus' name that's in this room and declare kingdom of God, your way of doing things, Father. Let it come and permeate the room right now, right now. Depression, I come against you in Jesus' name. I'm sorry, listen, you, some of y'all may not even understand what I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm going there in it. Depression, I'm, I'm serving you an eviction notice. You can't come in this atmosphere and be successful. You can't come in and afflict. Confusion, you, you've confused so many different people. We declare you don't have authority in this room. I release the peace of God right now in this moment. I release the peace of God. Let security come. Let peace come. Let identity come. Jesus, we plead the blood. We plead the blood. We plead the blood. So many come in our doors with demonic assignments on their life from the enemy, not knowing it. But I declare that every assignment the enemy's had for your life has been canceled in Jesus' name. I declare it canceled. I declare it canceled. sake of notes, I'm stopping here, but for the sake of notes, the third one, the fourth one is the blood is a witness, so you can take that note. But I, I'm, I have been so heartbroken as I watch, and I declare, and I make declaration, and I pray, and watch the spirit of division work. And it's not that, it's not just, uh, that spirit of division works in relationships, but it also works in marriages. And so many people, they, in their marriage, your marriage is here, you're, you're here this morning, and maybe your marriage is on the rocks, or maybe you've just grown so cold and so distant. And I think the reason why the Lord has been highlighting marriages so much in my own personal prayer time is because if the enemy can destroy the husband and the wife, then he has already got the children. Because the children grow up with so many questions. Why, God? Why did dad leave? Why did mom leave? Why did they do this? Why did they do that? And there's so much, so much confusion that's released upon the children. And so I've been praying, God, reconcile our marriages and bring, bring reconciliation and healing and wholeness over the marriage. I don't want our children growing up and forgive me, I'm going in a different direction, pleading the blood of Jesus, but I feel like I need to go here. So I, I, I just... I want to pray over marriages. Why don't you stand to your feet? Come on, spouse, husband, wife. 
take them by the hand. If they're not here, just begin to, I mean, see them standing beside you. Maybe they're not in the church because they aren't saved yet. Father, I pray over marriages right now in Jesus' name. Plead the blood of Jesus over our marriages and pray a hedge of protection around them. Kingdom of God, come. Spirit of division, spirit of divorce. You don't have authority. I'm telling you, you don't have authority in this house. I pray for the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, dad, to come upon you, mom, husband, wife, every assignment the enemy has to separate you and to break you apart. I'm just declaring today that that assignment has been canceled in Jesus' name. Pray that hedge of protection, an impregnable wall of fire that the enemy can't penetrate and break through. Lord Jesus, protect them. Restore the joy back into their marriage. The fear of death, of losing a spouse, I just bind that in Jesus' name. Some of you have been experiencing that, the concern of losing your spouse. I bind it in Jesus' name. That's freedom, God. This is, plead your blood. Thank you for healing, wholeness, restoration, reconciliation in that marriage. Work it, God. Make it better than it's ever been. With your heads bowed and continuing down. This morning, if you've never committed your life to Jesus, listen, here's your altar call. I'm not gonna tell you to come down to the front. I wanna know who that is. Lift your hand right now. Let me see it. It's not lifting your hand, saving you, not even the prayer that you say. But if you just know you need a relationship with Jesus and he's calling your name, lift your hand right now. He shed his blood for you. I bless you. I see a hand back there. Anyone else in the room? Come on right now. He shed his blood for you. See the other hand. There's two. Jesus, thank you for salvation. Thank you for your blood. This is what it's all about. Father, you just begin to pray, and it's from a heart of sincerity. Father, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for mine. I'm grateful. Cleanse me, wash me clean, Jesus. Thank you for rising from the dead, from the grave on the third day. Because you live, I live. And now my spirit is alive and covered in the blood of Jesus. I thank you for freedom. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.